So he has mixed two substances together and has applied that somewhere, which is another infraction of the law. And as the religious leaders question among themselves, is Jesus really God? The blind man only knows I've been healed. I was blind, but now I see. And so that's the context that we're in here in chapter 10. Just fighting, fighting among religious leaders. And, and Jesus being questioned as to whether or not he comes from God. And our chapter opens describing a thief and a robber. I'm from a Pentecostal background, and my automatic instinct is to say, it's the devil. It's Satan. Some of you are laughing. The thief and the robber has to be the enemy of our souls, but Jesus is so clever in the way that he's speaking about this because actually the thieves and the robbers who have destroyed are the religious leaders because they're heaping these laws giving more rules, applying more strategies to control God's people, and yet still they remain sinful. And Jesus says they are the ones who have stolen and who have killed and who have destroyed. It was a system based on works, based on law, based on rules just to make one right closer with God, following a formula. And Jesus counteracts this. It's not this mechanical knowledge of a system. If I just follow the system, I can please God. If I just follow the rules, I'll be without sin. But it's the intimate knowledge of a Savior. It's not holding to these laws, but it's the close relationship with the Savior himself that does, in fact, save us. Back to the shoes. So I'm at this shop. It was uh, mid-morning. I arrived there after 9 o'clock. The shop was not yet open. So the shop worker said, no, it's our boss. He's, he just likes coming late every day. And uh, workers love catching their bosses in mistakes, by the way. Don't we? It makes us laugh. And that's what these young ladies were enjoying. That, oh, the boss, he must be sleeping or what? So the boss comes. He opens the shop. And he tells me, yes, I, I have a shoe. I have exactly the type of shoe that you need for your son. And... He shows me a beautiful black sports shoe that has, you know, the famous swoosh, and it looks so nice. It's Velcro. I'm opening, closing, opening, closing. Everything looks so nice on this shoe. And I said, okay, and I, I turned the shoe over. I'm examining the bottom of the shoe. I said, maybe you have another shoe that I can also check for my son because, as I mentioned, he must have the perfect item. That is my moral obligation and duty. That's sarcasm. I'm trying to make you stay awake here. Come on, Catherine. Like, give me a, give me a smile, please. So he gets another shoe off of the shelf. This one does not have the swoosh, but it has, like, the jumping cat. You know the brand, right? And again, it's black. It's a sports shoe. His school can accept it as a school shoe. The Velcro open, close, very nice. And I turn over the shoe to look at the bottom. The bottom of the cat shoe is identical to the bottom of the swoosh shoe. And now the shopkeeper is starting to sweat, much like you and I here this morning. I said, you said these were original. 
yes, they're original. They're a very nice shoe. You should buy it. And I said, well, how can it be that the, the, the one shoe with the swoosh and the other shoe with the cat is identical on the bottom? And he said, ah. The reason I could understand that these were not original is because I know what the original looks like, right? The original on the bottom of the shoe, it has the swoosh. The other one has the jumping cat. They don't look bright, white, identical. I have no problem with that type of shoe. I bought the shoe, I said, perfect. Now that I've uncovered your secret, you should Tsitsani Pangono. And he said, oh, madam. I said, no, please. So I left with the shoe knowing it was not the original. But you and I have a very deep place within our hearts where we can allow those counterfeit things to enter. And we know it's not original. We know it's not genuine. We're paying too much for it. But still, we're allowing it to enter our lives. And that's what we need to chat here about today because the deepest places of our hearts have to be fulfilled by only what Jesus can offer. Love, joy, peace, discipline, care, fellowship, rest, intimacy, healing. But we often find ourselves wandering away and looking for the counterfeit thing that's going to satisfy for a short time. I'm happy to tell you the shoe worked for a time. But it didn't last very long because, you know, it's just meant to look nice. It's not meant to do the work. But these counterfeit, counterfeit things manifest in our lives because of our lack of familiarity with the genuine voice of our shepherd. If I had my child there with me, he would never have known these shoes were not original. He would just be happy. But because I'm older, I have more experience, I know how the original is supposed to look. But you and I, we wander away from the voice of our shepherd and we get distracted by many things. Relationships, work, money, sex, trauma, religion, gambling, alcohol, forms of religion. But what we get from Jesus is better than what we pursue without him. And I want to go through these points quickly with you this morning. I want to bless today the single mothers who are at a retreat this weekend at the lake. So we're saying hi to you from, from your church. I'm sure you're much cooler than we are. I, uh, in, in, my, in my real life, I'm an administrator, and that's the job that takes up much, much of my time but I teach online courses as well. So I wanna give this to you in a very simple, straightforward way. If you like taking notes, you should open your book now, open your phone now, pull up your app, close WhatsApp, stop looking at the memes on my status. You know who you are. I do love memes, that's, that's a fact. And I wanna to go to these points about what we get from Jesus is better than what we pursue without him. Number one, we embrace wholeness and we reject limited truth. This is from verse two. The one who enters the gate is a shepherd of the sheep. 
The religious systems of Jesus' day were filled with all kinds of man-made ideas, human-concocted solutions to the problem of sin. But our problems are often very similar, aren't they? We have a relationship with the shepherd, which means we have full access to healing and full opportunity to be healed. But we still kind of go on these roundabouts of, let me just keep going around and around, and instead of actually going to the destination, which is to be with Jesus, we continue entertaining ourselves with some of these man-made or human-constructed ideas. And they, they can keep us in bondage to repetitive behavior. I'm not saying that someone here has paid 10000 for a special bottle of water that you drink or apply at certain times. But I know someone gets up at 12 and prays until 2 because that's the time God is most active. You know, come on, guys. <laughs> and when we, when we place these ideas in the light of Scripture, we realize heaven is open 24-7. Christ is available every day, every minute. It's, it's me who's more available from midnight until two because the cares of the world are often sleeping in their beds somewhere else. I didn't grow up in a Christian family. In Canada, most of our culture would be considered secular, which means they don't identify with religion or religious backgrounds. But I was born again in, uh, when I was about 14 years old. And my grandmother had gone down a path of receiving Christ and becoming very legalistic. And she said, the same way that we tithe our finances, we have to tithe our time. So 24 hours in a day means 2.4 hours in a day you have to give to God. So this is me at 14 waking up at 5 a.m. to do prayers. And I just remember struggling through that and being so tired and exhausted and feeling the weight if you don't perform, you will not be blessed. If you don't offer yourself, Jesus will be disappointed in you. And that's what we have to reject today. Limited truth. Is it wrong to pray from 12 until 2? No. But if we're doing that, believing it's the only time God can answer us, we need a refreshing from the Holy Spirit. Was it wrong for me to do my devotions at 5 a.m.? No. But it became a form of bondage because I felt that the only way I could please God was by doing that. Number two, we embrace the discipline of surrender and we reject partial obedience. Verse three, the gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. We used to have a church member here. Her name was Leslie Bennett. You might remember her. She was also on the worship team. And she was my third-born teacher. And Miss Bennett used to say, slow obedience is no obedience. Oh, just bless her today, wherever she is. If you are slowly obedient, you are still disobedient. That's why we must embrace surrender to our familiar shepherd because we know him. And when we know his voice, we can't be deceived by others who might try to imitate it. I would like to bless the media team today and all of the staff here at Flood Church. You don't know everything that happens behind the scenes, and neither do I. But the very limited stuff I do know about is amazing, and the team is hardworking. 
and Tia, I'm so grateful to her for helping me organize all of this today. But I just have a, a short video I want you to watch that's going to help us see a visual of what it means for sheep listening to a shepherd. Go ahead. <laughs> One more time. subject, the, the sheep don't even budge, right? They don't move an inch. They just continue eating. Same with the second one and the third one. But when the farmer or the shepherd comes out, you see one and then you see another and their heads start lifting and together they go running because they know his voice. They know his voice. And this is honest fellowship. This is like we are doing life together the same way that those sheep in the sheep pen and pasture are doing their lives. We are weak people growing together for transformation. We're coming as we are for transformation. And the primary way we do that here at Flood Church is through growth groups. Can I get a growth group shout out? Woo, woo. If you are part of a growth group, put your hand, put your hand in the air. And wave it like you just don't care. Oh, and if you don't have your hand up, we're going to find you. This is the primary way we fellowship here at Flood Church. And the only way that we can belong to the, the fold of God or to the sheep of God is with each other. It's with each other. We have to go together. You know, the religious systems of our day tell us that we can attend without belonging. We can have a membership card, 
We can have a pledge and a tithe and an offering going somewhere, but we don't have to actually surrender or fellowship there. And th- this, is, this is an idea of <clears throat> postured falsehood, postured obedience, because it's actually being fake. And every one of us has been at a Sunday morning service somewhere where it might as well have been made of plastic. Because, Hi, how are you? I'm fine, how are you? Oh, I'm also fine. Oh, wonderful, thank you. Right? And at the end of it, you just go out with your plastic experience and you haven't, ex- haven't had the honest fellowship that we as sheep need to en- enjoy and experience. So you, you saw in the video when the shepherd starts calling, he's very confident, right? He knows exactly the noise and the call to make that is going to call them towards him. And so a few sheep start looking up, and then their neighbors notice, wait, what's going on? And they all start looking. And before you know it, everyone has recognized the voice of the shepherd because of the common experience right there on the grass in the field. That's hearing his voice together. And my friend, if you think you can hear God's voice on your own or you try to do it, you are more likely, more likely to devise something out of your wicked heart than you are to get from the Spirit of God. I'm not saying never will you hear from him, but I'm saying the fellowship of all believers requires that we move together as a community and that we discern God's voice as a community, and that we listen to what he's saying in fellowship with one another. We can't do life on our own in this faith. It was never meant for that. You know, here in Malawi, we have many goats, and they are a totally different type of animal. But sheep, that's who Jesus calls us. And, you know, we're we're kind of silly, and sometimes we do things that attract danger and we put ourselves into situations that are not the best for us mostly we are caught up with eating but the fellowship that we experience with other believers is the is the gateway it's the thing that allows us to continue recognizing our shepherd I see quite a few of my fellow GG members here today, so I'm going to probably choose Mblayo and Faith. If I have something I'm trying to discern from the Holy Spirit, and I present it in growth group during a prayer request, I know that Brian and Faith can affirm that or deny that that's from the Holy Spirit, because I trust them, and we've lived many years together in this growth group. Now, I could also go on my own and hear the same thing, and just decide, well, it makes me feel nice, so it must be from God. And I don't know that I'm actually taking myself into the ditch, or I'm going to put myself in danger. Number four. I know it feels heavy, but the Lord wants to speak today, and he wants you to move from this place where you're not hearing his voice to the space that, where you can easily discern it. Number four, we embrace demonstrated trust and we reject prideful appearance from verse five, but they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Someone here today has been spending so much time with a stranger's voice that you think that is the shepherd. 
you recognize the stranger's voice more than you recognize your own shepherd. Religious systems that Jesus was trying to dismantle and the ones that we find ourselves in today always value a prideful appearance, right? It's about the way things look. It's the ceremony. It's the process. Thinking of the Old Testament, it's the temple. It's the incense. It's the posture. It's the day of the year that we... we that we, all of these things that lead us to a system that must be dismantled because it's not about how does it get me to God, it's about how do I feel when I go through that process and I can just maintain my prideful appearance. As we move closer to Jesus, we can't anymore live in this idea of prideful appearance because like sheep... We have humbling things in our lives. We have things that, that we're going through that need exposure, it needs counsel, it needs prayer. And as we embrace the demonstrated trust towards Jesus, it means he knows what is best, not me. I belong to him. I don't belong to myself. Number five, we embrace true intimacy and we reject echoes of affection. Verse 9 and 10, I am the gate and whoever enters through me shall be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. Oh, this is another verse that we Pentecostals like to say. The thief is coming to steal, kill, and destroy. But again... Jesus is really saying that these false religious structures are killing, are stealing, and are destroying. And you guys know which ones that he's referring to here in our context. I can't name them all. I don't know them all. But they're killing, stealing, and destroying the souls of our friends and our family because they're requiring something from us that doesn't depend totally on Christ. But it's built on the appearance of pride. I just need the next point up there. I, that, the one there is number four, and I've gone to number five. Sorry. We embrace true intimacy. There we go. So Jesus here, he's both the gate and the shepherd. He's the one who takes us to the kingdom, but he's also the one that we pass through in order to get to the kingdom. And this, this small nugget, they will come in and go out and find pasture just talks about the freedom that we have with Jesus and our relationship that we as sheep have with our shepherd coming in going out and finding pasture in Canada I grew up on a farm and uh, all it's very cold there you may have heard and all winter long the animals stay in the barn and they huddle together and try and get through the winter and the moment my grandfather would open the doors to the barn to let them go out to the field, they would run every time. Like run, kicking, jumping, because they're so excited to finally get to green grass after a long, cold winter. You know, in all the times I watched my grandfather do that, no cow or other animal ever stopped and said, is this pasture safe for me? Let me see how my friends go and then and then I'll do it. But they trusted that if my grandfather was opening the doors, it meant they should go out. 
And that is what Christ does to us and for us. He allows us this freedom of release, and he wants to lead us to the place where we're going to be nourished, where we're going to be fed, and where we're going to find life. You know, I use this term, echo of affection, because I think in some systems that are set up or in religious frameworks don't actually have intimacy, but they're an echo of it. The intimacy we know exists, and, we're, and they, they echo that intimacy. So it's not the original thing. It's just a very faint sound of what is the real thing. You still with me? Hallelujah. In the back, hallelujah. Amen. We're almost there. We're almost there. Number six, we embrace tender provision and we reject ceremonial habits. Verse 11, I am the good shepherd and the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. We accept this because this is our ultimate spiritual need. We've come today with many needs, physical, emotional, and spiritual, but our greatest need is that a shepherd would lay down his life for us, and he has done that. These ceremonial habits are counterfeits, attempts to bring us closer to God through some sort of circumstance, but they don't actually cleanse us or purify us as the wretched sinners that we truly are. We all remember a few years ago, this pastor who was like spraying doom on his congregants, remember? Ceremonial habit, trying to remove something wrong or bad or evil or sinful within a person through a method that, that, that does not involve Jesus. This is an extreme example, but you guys know the ones that may impact your own life. The last point. I asked the Holy Spirit, do not give me this word, this one I'm going to, to share. And he said, oh, definitely, you have to bring this one. And I even wrestled with him to an extent of being afraid of what the impact is going to be. And he still said, take it. Open your mouth and speak. Number seven, we embrace unity with all believers and we reject performances of agreement. In verse 16, I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. People in our church today have been rejecting others who are not from the same pen. A different sheep pen and we've rejected them. Instead of behaving and acting as one flock in the body of Christ, we've differentiated between them. Uh, we kind of adopt a behavior as one Lord, but many different sheep pens. And Jesus says, they're going to be one flock with one shepherd. Do you know, sheep do everything together in the same pen, right? They sleep, they eat, they do all the things together. And there are no separate pens when it comes to belonging to the Good Shepherd for you and I. But church, repentance is needed today for those among us who have been behaving as though we are from different pens. 
and I'm, I'm going to talk very specifically. This is about gender. This is about race. This is about ethnicity. This is about age. This is about tribe. This is about region. This is about passport. And we place ourselves in a pen with sheep who are like us and say, those who are not like us, go to the other pen. And then we take it even further and say, those in the other pen, you're not with us. Sort out your own problems. Figure out solutions for what you need while we do the same for us in our own pen. And I don't know who the Holy Spirit is speaking to about this today, but I do know the way he pressed me, it was something I had to speak of directly. And I think maybe after being a member here for this long and knowing me the way you do, you can grant me that permission that the, if I share with you that the Holy Spirit is pushing me towards this, there can be a reason for that. There can be a person who needs to hear that here today. We have to embrace unity with all believers, sheep of every pen. And we have to reject those performances of agreement because a performance has an end date. A performance is, is just for the sake of those watching. And performances are temporary measures for gain of pleasure and dispelling of pain. The pursuit of Jesus means that we are moving away from counterfeits. We are coming away from the shoes that look like the original and we're going towards the real thing. Jesus was very busy doing that and after this chapter, he moves into the end of his ministry and the cross is very near. And so he knows at this moment, I have to share these things with the people following me. I have to shake, shake the foundation of what's been happening here because People are being robbed, stolen, and killed as a result of this system that has not actually brought them closer to God. So we, we, you and I here recognize that we are distracted from what is genuine. We, we are often um, wowed by something that is interesting, but even when it's the counterfeit, we still have those feelings. And we must make space for the truth of Jesus. And today, I want to ask, you might have something in your heart or in your life that you have fully embraced, but you need to reject. It could be from the seven points today, or it could be another one, because I know the Holy Spirit is faithful, and he's tapping on shoulders, and he's knocking on hearts today. Maybe there's something you're holding so close to you, but it's keeping you in bondage yet you're so terrified of letting it go. But the shepherd is here and he is with us. He wants to release you from the thing that keeps taking you down in the ditch. He wants you to surrender to his patient love. And he can do far more for you than any temporary thing on this earth can offer. We have a prayer team here at Flood Church. They're going to be around and available for you if you feel that you need prayer for something. If you feel convicted about your growth group status here in this church, you should go to the connection desk. Appa is there. Wave, Appa. 
and you can find out about growth groups from her. Don't wait any longer. Don't wait another minute. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the chance for you to respond to God through prayer, through fellowship with others, and here in worship today. So let's stand together. We're going to sing to the Lord. And I want you just to oh, stand up. Let's stand up. Open your heart today to what the Lord would say to you. Don't wait another minute. You know, I, t I talked to someone after the first service, and she said she's been waiting for four years to fully embrace all that God has for her. And I want to encourage you today, don't let that be your story. Call on the name of the Lord, and you will be saved from whatever it is that you need freedom from today. As Kelvin and Karen lead us, sing to the Lord and just listen for what it is the Holy Spirit is saying to you this morning.